Welcome back to our next instalment in our series for men, how to be human, find identity, gel with purpose and achieve life's mission. In our last video, we talked about the fact that we're supposed to live life as a priest and that we are priests made in God's image, made to worship him and reflect him and bring together all the competing desires in our lives under the headship of a new narrative, according to Carl Jung. If we submit our lives to a grand sweeping meta narrative, then it unifies and brings together all the competing desires within us, which the New Testament calls the sinful nature or the flesh. And uh, it brings them all together and then aligns them, unifies them so that we can move forward in the way that we're designed to be a priest living in the image of God. Now, of course, Genesis is laden with information and the rest of the Bible is laden with information about why we would conceive of ourselves as a priest. Think about human life designed to be some type of primordial version of a Jedi warrior. Part priest, part warrior, part part caretaker. That's exactly what Adam and Eve were called to do together. Adam was to live life as a priest. Bible scholars tell us that Genesis chapter 1 is a temple building text. It's a recreation of a process from thousands of years ago that would be followed when a holy temple was built in the ancient Near East. Of course, these used to be pagan temples, normally to Marduk or some Babylonian deity or something like that. And the idea is that what Genesis does is Genesis looks at those materials and says, no, 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 that that's not how life is. You don't build temples to idols and Marduk and Babylonian witchcraft and all this stuff. Let me explain to you what the world is. So Genesis chapter 1 and 2 is a temple building text. And it is in the same formula as any temple was built over a six-day period, successively arranged, successively constructed, and then has a culmination day. And the culmination day is the seventh day, where in the seventh day, an image of the deity was installed in the temple. Now you've got to think about this because Genesis chapter 1 tells us it's not a temple that was built over six days with the seventh day of rest, but it's actually the entire cosmos that was built over six days with a seventh day of rest. And then the image installed into that temple the whole cosmos, was not a graven image of a god, but was a living, breathing image of God himself, who installed his image in his temple, a global cosmos, and then invited that image to live with him on the seventh day of rest. Now, in the ancient Near East, the seventh day of rest was actually enjoyment of ruling and reigning. That was when the ancients believed that once you'd, inst once you'd built a temple, once you'd installed the God's image in the temple, then on the seventh day, that day of rest, which would be a festival, a festive day, that day of rest was symbolic of the beginning of the rule and reign of the God that that image in that temple represented. So to enter rest really means to enter into the state of being in charge, to enter into the state of ruling and reigning. It's a victory state. It's a state that says, I've overcome every obstacle that I need to be in charge. This is what they thought. The God has overcome every obstacle that that God needed to be in charge of that territory and therefore could now rule and reign in restful being in chargeness. And the seventh day is all about that. It's all about the rest of God having overcome the chaos and bringing life and habitable order into the universe, installing his image, his reflection, his image bearers into his temple, a global cosmos, uh, not a building built by human hands, and then inviting that image to enter into God's rest, inviting that image to serve as a priestly role, enjoying ruling and reigning with God and enjoying the fact that his influence and his presence would permeate this new temple called the universe. 
Therefore, we can say, because Genesis is a temple building text, that Adam is primarily a priest serving not an image of God, but as the image of God and reflecting God out to the rest of creation, resting with God. Resting is reflecting. And that's why it's important where we get our reflection from. We go to God, we receive reflection from him, and then we restfully reflect it out to the rest of the cosmos. Now, of course, this has huge personal application. So think about the power involved in that image of life that from a place of restfulness from a place of co-ruling and reigning with the creator of the universe receiving from him the reflection of goodness righteousness peace justice and love the ability to flourish in life wholeness imagine taking that reflection from him and then in a place of restfulness with the creator of the universe looking out upon all of the rest of life all of the rest of the world all of the rest of the cosmos as a piece of sacred space and you're entrusted as a priest to protect and to serve and to guard that sacred space, to guard the sacredness of it, to mediate the goodness of God to it and to others, even those you bump into within that sacred space, whether they're people on the bus, whether they're people you work with, whether it's friends and family, whether it's people that you worship alongside. But your mission in life is to see yourself as a holy priest ruling and reigning with God, resting with him, not striving, not laboring, not fighting, but resting with, bringing that wholesome rested reflection out to the rest of planet Earth. I think that's a powerful image and it has dramatic ramifications for the way that I live my life on a very regular basis. It critiques my stress. It critiques my anxiety. It critiques my striving and my labor. It critiques my ego and my narcissism. And what it does is it invites me to see and conceive of life a different way, living as a priest in sacred space. And it's my duty everywhere I go to observe, guard, and uphold and uplift the sacredness of that space and the blessing of those who inhabit that space. Man, it changes the way I treat my wife. It changes the way I treat my kids. It changes the way I respect to problems for as we'll see as we look forward into these stories problems do occur and you know sheer chaos monsters like snakes and all sorts of stuff will slither into this sacred space but we've got a plan because we're living our eyes outwardly focused as priests in this sacred space resting with the creator receiving reflection from him if you think about this long enough how does that affect the way that you see life how does it affect the way you do life how does it affect the way that you view people and how does it color your mission in life remember we started in our last session talking about the fact that you are a mixture of competing quasi-autonomous systems that all vie for dominance in your life. If you will install a meta-narrative over your life, then you will be able to have that meta-narrative rule and reign over you, unify all of the systems in your life and have you going in a harmonized single direction, which is a wholesome, flourishing, God-reflecting life. If you think about that, what does that say to you in the way you live your life? How does it call you? How does it help you rise? How does dwelling on that message heal you? Well, in our next video, we're going to progress to looking at life like a king and how we rule and reign as a king. Adam's not just called to be a priest he's also called to be a king he's called to be a priest king a holy jedi monk warrior type king and uh, we're going to look at that in our next video what does it mean to live like a king from the genesis perspective keep your emails coming keep the questions coming thank you i am getting correspondence and i'm replying to you when they come in ben at desertlifechurch.org thanks for joining me for these chats